hope we're glad to be here today. So, um, and we're looking forward to a great day. We're continuing in a series this morning, and this series is actually a series that uh, has we've been focusing on the idea of Lent. And sometimes people get confused about that. We've spoken about that before. We've talked about um, how sometimes people get confused about Lent. And they think that it's either just a Catholic thing or it's just a ritual thing. And we've talked about Lent being very similar to Advent at, at Christmas time. And, uh, and we've settled the fact already. Some people say, I don't see Ash Wednesday in the Bible and I don't see Lent in the Bible. And as I stated uh, in a quippy way, meaning to be sarcastic and quippy, um, you don't see Christmas or Easter, but I see you all partying. So, um, so we're trying to focus on getting closer to Jesus in the next 40 days. And so it's important for us to understand that Lent, Ash Wednesday, Easter, Christmas, all those things only mean what you make them mean. If you make them about Jesus, then they're going to be about Jesus. If you make them about ritual, they're going to be about ritual. If, they make them, if you make them about you, it's going to be about you. If you make them about uh, being upset that other people are trying to get closer to God, then you're just going to be mad about it. But it doesn't make any sense to me why anyone would be upset that we're trying to get closer to God for 40 years. Uh, for, for 40 years and 40 days. And so as we look at Lent, the first thing we start with is Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesdays really, it focuses on two things. Our mortality, the fact that we, that all of us are going to die. That's what the, the Bible says. It's appointed that every person should die and then be judged. And then the second aspect of, of, uh, of Ash Wednesday is our morality. It should affect the way we live. And so truthfully, our mortality and our morality should be motivated by our faith. Amen. Amen. Actually, it is. Whether it is, whether, whether or not the way you view your life and death and the way you view the afterlife and the way that you view your moral compass is directly reflected to, of your faith. You see, if it's in the Bible and now you've decided because of outside sources that you no longer believe in that, see, God's moral standard never, ever changes. It hasn't changed since the beginning of time. Now, your sociology changes regularly. It changes with the world. And so when you think about it, really, your morality is more spoken to by your sociology than your theology. And so the word of God either is the word of God, all of it or none of it. And so it's important for us to understand that and reflect that. And it's important for us to keep that in our hearts. So as we reflect on our mortality, what it means to be human, that comes to the question. What does it mean to be human? You know, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to be human? You know, that's a question that, that society has tried to answer for generations. It's tried to answer since the beginning of time. What does it mean to be human? Some people just think that we're molecular machines. We just, what happened is, you know, molecules crashed together and here we are. And that's why they don't have morality because they don't have a higher, they don't have a being outside of humanity to look to. So they think humanity makes our own rules. But the problem is with that is that what makes what you say right, right, and what I say wrong, wrong, if you have no standard, if you have nothing to measure against. 
And so when you think about that, you think about what does it mean to be human? And every society has tried to answer it from the beginning of time. But us as believers, we've got a question as well. And, and David, the psalmist, in, David, uh, in Psalm chapter 8, David echoes Genesis' account uh, of, uh, of God giving dominion over all the earth. Now, here's the thing that I want to say that's, that's not even in my notes, but I think it's very important for us. There is more evidence now for creation or ex nihilo, God creating something out of nothing. Reg, Reggie, I'm just a little hot and I'm tweaking, so bring me down just a little bit. Tweaking in a microphone kind of way, all right? I know tweaking means something different now, so I don't want anybody to think I'm really tweaking, all right? Uh, maybe for chocolate or something, but you know, anyway. There's more scientific evidence for the world being created out of nothing than for any other aspect of, of, uh, of what we would say evolution or any of those things. As a matter of fact, the world, the, 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 even atheists in the world will not deny that something out, outside of space, time, and matter, something immaterial, spaceless, and timeless, created and this is a new thing that the atheists in the last couple decades have come to not be able to deny there had to be something before space time and matter and space time and matter all came together at the same time so they can't argue that anymore and so what does that mean the bible says in the beginning was god and god created ex nihilo out of nothing he made something now it's hard to believe that nothing made nothing something had to make nothing and nothing had to make something god had to be god in the midst of all this he is was and always will be and he spoke and it happened. And even the earth, if you look at what's happening in the earth, if you look at the radiation afterglow, if you look at the great galaxy seeds, if you look at those things, if you look at the fact that the universe is expanding and collapse and can co collapse back onto itself in the beginning, then you understand there's more scientific evidence for creation than anything else now see they won't argue with you anymore about that thank god and it just was proven in the last 50 years so so as we start talking about creation and understanding this god's greatest creation is us us we and so so and and god gave us dominion over all of creation and this should cause us this should cause us to reflect what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have dominion over the earth? What does it mean for us to, to have this gift? And how should we steward the earth? How should we steward all of these things? God has blessed us. And so first thing we have to remember is as human beings, we were made in the image of God. The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why in Genesis when God said, let us make man in our own image, he's speaking Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
So we start to understand that in the ancient world, I want you to know, in the ancient world, when a foreign emperor king, when they would come and they would conquer a nation and they would conquer a city, one of the things that they would do when they conquered that place is they would put a statue, an image of themselves, so that everybody would have to know you got a new king. And you don't even have to like it, you just have one. And they would do it as braggadocious, but I want you to look at creation as something more beautiful. You see, God, God made creation and then he set us, made in his own image, over all the earth to have dominion. The question is, what do we do with that? You see, even Adam and Eve in the garden, they were a testament to the greatness of God creator and God made them reign over all creation. They were a testament of justice, mercy, goodness, righteousness, all of those things. But the struggle, the struggle is this, is that humans, we, we as humans, we're prone to set ourselves up. See, we're prone to make statues of ourselves. We're prone to make statues of animals. We're prone to make statues of humans. We're prone to make statues of immaterial things like sex. Because sex is the new religion in our world. You don't have to like it. It's just true. People worship on the altar of sex regularly. And it's the new. And you say anything about sex in our culture. And now they can label it things that it is not. Because that's the new, that is, that's the new world religion. God help us. God help us. Because we don't know what kind of Pandora's box we've opened. You don't believe me? Think back 20 years, 30 years. Would you ever believe we're living in this world? Give it 20 or 30 more. Save Jesus coming. Can't even imagine what's going to happen. But I do know Jesus is coming, so I'm all right. Idol worship brings nothing but brokenness, shame, guilt, and it robs us of our call to be image bearers. See, as soon as you and I crawl up on the altar of money, sex, or power, we experience guilt shame, brokenness, and we get robbed of the call to be image bearers of God. That's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were told they could be gods. Well, now you can be anything you want. You want to be your own God? Be your own God. Welcome. You can be that now. And that's the scary part of this whole experience. You can be that, and if, and, and if you, somebody tells you, if you say you're God, and then they, and then they say that you're, and, and they say, no, you're not, oh, they're bad, and you're, and you're evil. It's happening all the time. See, we want to be gods. We want to be creators. We want to be creators. It's scary. So what does it mean to be human, man? What does that mean? That's the question we're trying to find. And that's really what Ash Wednesday and Lynn is all about. What, what are we trying? What does it mean to be human? Maybe it means we stop trying to be God. 
Maybe it means we let God be God. Maybe it means we bear the image of God. This is what the psalmist said. Psalms, psalmist in, 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 uh, uh, in Psalm chapter 8 said, O oh Lord, how Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, that's not true anymore because we're trying to take God out of every possible way, out of every possible scenario we want to get rid of God. Especially if you're saying Jesus. We're yeah. definitely getting Jesus out of here. We don't say, oh Lord, how Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth anymore. Some people are afraid to name the name of Jesus. I'm waiting for Jesus to be a bad word in church, like sinner. Let's not call him Jesus, let's just call him God, because it separates too many people. Oh, there's going to be a separation of sheep and goats. And it's going to be done by Jesus. I better settle down because I'm going to check my time. All right. We're all right. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, listen to this question. What is man that you are mindful of him? Unbelievable. What is man and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower then the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist couldn't help but praise God in the middle of that. He couldn't hold back. It's like, what have you done? All of this for me? And you're mindful of me? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to, 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 to experience our mortality? What does that mean? Well, what it means, the first thing is human beings were created in God's uh, image. And we're God's image bearers. We're created to be God's image bearers to all creation. We are God's number one creation. And we're supposed to bear God's image to all of creation. That means how we, does, does taking care of the earth matter? That's part of our job. That's part of our calling. Does taking care of one another matter? Yes. Does taking care of the animals and everything else? Yes. All of these things matter because we bear the image of God. And he has put us in this position to be good stewards. 
So look at what it says. It says, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen and beasts of the field and the birds of the sea and the fish of the birds of the heavens. If there's birds in the sea, they might be swimming. And the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths. David's words should cause us to just say thank you. Next time you see a sunset, the next time you see birds, and I was out fishing yesterday, and, and this little pelican just kept coming up looking at me, you know? And uh, he just, just, just sweet just to be right there as I'm sitting there fishing, you know? And uh, number one, they irritate you when you're fishing, but I did not let them irritate me, and I wasn't even mean to them. Because, you know, usually you want to ha, 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 you know? I couldn't do it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And at the end, I didn't feed them during the fishing. At the end, when I had some bait left over, I chunked it to them because I was leaving, you know. But I thought to myself, look at this beautiful creation that God has given us. He's given us to care for. And you're standing out there and you're looking at this beautiful thing that God has given us. How can we not praise the Lord for that? You know, and God crowned us humans with glory and honor, and he made us rulers over the work of his hands. And we are responsible. We should quickly recognize it, but the unfortunate thing is this is not the experience in our world. The experience in our world, unfortunately, is we want to abuse those things and do everything we can to get from. Don't we? We take advantage of, we, 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 ex, we make animals extinct because we hunt them until the end. Instead of understanding that there's a natural harvest. There are, the animals have to be harvested, there's no question, but do we have to destroy them? See, these are the questions. These are the things that we have to ask ourselves in this. What does it mean to be human? It means that we love and care. You see, we don't feel like we're crowned with glory and honor, but we do feel like we're marred with guilt and shame. We look back in Genesis and we can clearly see how humans were created and then sin entered the world and guilt and shame entered the world. We were created to be the image bearers of God, but it was marred in the fall. It's like a mirror. It's like a mirror. And what happens is the mirror reflects what it's filled with or whatever you turn it towards. If you turn the mirror towards God, then it will always reflect God. If you turn the mirror toward what your affection is, it will always reflect that affection. We were originally made to mirror God. We have no light in us but the light that God gives us. And we are moons. We reflect the sun. That's what we're supposed to do. So as we find it, but what about us? We're created in God's image, but the problem is sin has broken that image for us and we need to be repaired. The Hebrew writer, he purposely in Hebrews 2.9 quotes this verse when he says, Jesus now is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by grace, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In, in, earlier in that chapter, he says, but we see for him, 
Uh, he was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering death, so that by grace he might taste death for all of us. So again, they're looking back and saying, yes, we were marred, but then Jesus came in and paid the price. Jesus came in and recrowned us, if you want him to, if you let him. But the problem is, is that we like, we like looking in the mirror at ourselves or at the things we desire instead of God. And then we bear the image of the things we worship. Don't we? And so when you ask this question, what does it mean to be human? The first thing, we're supposed to bear the image of God. We have the incommunicable attributes of God that, that he has, and then we have the communicable attributes that we have like justice and mercy. Why do you think justice matters to you? It matters to you because it matters to God and you were made in his image. Why do you think mercy matters? Because God is merciful and just. Why do you think righteousness? Because these things are communicable. Then there are the things that are not like being omniscient. You don't know everything. Omnipresent. You can't be everywhere. These are the things that we understand make him God and not us. So the second thing we ask ourselves, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? It means that we were created to worship in a loving relationship with God. We were created to worship God. Do you know what worship means? It means to ascribe worth. It means that you find value and worth. And Romans chapter 1 tells us that there are, are human beings that didn't think it worth the price to retain the knowledge of God and they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship creation over creator who is forever to be praised. And so look, it says, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to, uh, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So many times we, dis we discredit God because we don't feel worthy, don't we? I'm not going to go to church because they're a bunch of hypocrites. And all they do is judge people. Didn't you just judge me? So how do you hate me? And how are you judging me when you just judged me and said that everybody in church is a hypocrite? And you hate judgy people. You know why? Because you're looking in that mirror. That's why you hate judgy people. Maybe you turn that message to turn that mirror to God and maybe you'll start loving judgy people. Right? The reason is guilt and shame precisely. The, 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 this is what the, the early church father Augustine spoke. He said, he said we indeed are worshipers. This is, this, is, this, is in the, this is probably back in the 18, 16, 1800s, right around there. He says, we indeed are worshipers, but the issue is we don't worship right things. We are worshipers. I want everybody in this room, you know people who say you're not worshipers? You may not be religious, but you worship something. You know what that means? You find worth in something. You find worth in something, and so you find it worthy of your life. We're all worshipers. You never shut off worship. 
Worship is always happening. Always happening. It's just who you're worshiping. We love created realities. Don't we? We love them. The problem with created realities is they always let you down. You ever think something is going to be really awesome, it turns out not so awesome? Yeah. Yeah. A lot, right? You always get build this thing and say, if, if I just had this, man, everything would be great. Nope, you'd want more. If I hit the lottery, then you'd go buy, you hit a $300 million lottery, you go buy 300 million lottery tickets. Because I can hit it again. Right? Doesn't make any sense, but that's what we do. We're constantly, if I just had a little more, then I'd be happy. You remember when you used to say that when you were coming up and you're, you're working hard and, and, and you're just making ends meet, you're just making ends meet, then you get a raise and you spend that just as quick as you can, right? And then the next raise and the next raise, and then you look back and say, if I just had a little bit more, just a little bit more, I'd be set. Nope, because you got to upgrade that car. You know what I'm saying. Upgrade that house. Upgrade that clothes, or, you know, get them shoes, you know. You ain't at to pay less no more because you want to pay more because you can. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about back in the day. Got them bobos. You ain't wearing the bobos now. You're looking for bron bronze, right? Come on, tell the truth. It's true. Think about it. Somebody told me how to wear Walmart clothes. I said, oh, I got two things at Walmart on right now. I got the Walmart Bimini Bay, $19.99, and $9.99 for my joggers. I don't wear, I, I wear them, you know? But it's important for us to keep in mind what's happening because creative reality is the only and we end up feeling stuck, trapped in guilt and ashamed. You see, sin turns us away from God and it's worshiping other things beside God and desiring other things that beside God that put us in a difficult position. We have to turn our mirrors back to God. And the only way we can do that is understanding we're only human. And he's God. And we're just not. Stop seeking worship. Husbands, stop seeking worship from your wives. Wives, stop seeking worship from your husband. Let God be God. That's why there's a Trinitarian relationship in marriage as well, where if the wife tries to be God or the husband tries to be God, guess what happens? It gets out of whack. God's got to be God. The third thing to understand about being human. Human beings need to be restored to our original calling through faith in Jesus. You know why I say that? Because it requires faith in Jesus to be restored to our original calling. Because if we aren't, then we're going to pursue money, sex, and power at all costs. At the cost of your family, at the cost of your relationships, at the cost of your God, your relationship with God, money, sex, and power will always be the thing that we pursue until we are returned to our original calling, which is to bear the image of God. Hebrews says, but we see Him who for a little while, a little while, 
was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, just in case you were wondering, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering, uh, because of the suffering and death, <clears throat> so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The good news is in David's psalm, uh, he constantly he looks back at creation, he looks back at humanity, he looks back at what matters, he looks back at his creator, and he never loses sight of who he is. Hebrews 2, when they quote it, there's one drastic change in there. There's one drastic change. The change is Jesus. You see, Genesis chapter 3 reminds us that a Savior's coming. Because sin has stolen from us. And taken from us. And marred our image. But there will be one who comes. Who will make all things right. But you have to choose Him. See, that's the difference. You see, you have to choose who you worship. You see, we were made to be in a worship relationship with God. But we're natural worshipers. So what do you worship, success? What, what are you worshiping above God? And the truth of the matter is, there's no such thing as a self-made person. There's not. Someone either helped you up or you stepped on them to get there. It's quick to forget those, isn't it? Look at all I did. It's quick to forget back when you asked God to bless you and show you. And then he blesses you and shows you. And you say, look at all that I did. Aren't I great? And forget to give him the glory that's due his name. You see, the point is clear. Jesus is truly human. He's full. He is the full image of God. He's crowned with glory and honor. All the works of God's hand are under his rule. He's the true image bearer of God. This is what Colossians says about it. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. That's what God promises. That's what we get through Jesus. You see, some people get confused and say, how is Jesus fully human and fully divine? He is the God-man, and he had to be the human in order to pay humans' sacrifice, in order to pay humans' debt, in order to be the sacrifice. He had to. You see, in the Trinity... We sing God in three persons, right? One homoousia, one, one essence, but three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One what and three who's. But in Jesus, we see, we see one who and two what's. We see his human nature and his divine nature. We see both at work in Jesus. We see it at work. And we understand that we have failed to represent God as image bearers, but Christ succeeded. Can you say amen? 
I'm glad that he succeeded where I failed. And I'm glad I don't have to be perfect because I'm being what? Because of Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for you and me. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to come and live in us and work through us. See, Jesus fully completed and accomplishes the task that Adam could not. And then Jesus reestablishes himself for us and makes us heirs, co-heirs with God. Your retirement plan is out of this world. It really is. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep that in your heart. The Bible, my Bible, at least, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can conceive what God has in store for us. That's what my Bible tells me. My retirement plan is all wrapped up. My Bible tells me that I got someone preparing a place for me. And when my place is done, he's going to holler and call me and bring me that I may be where he is. And then he told me something else to promise that if it weren't true, I wouldn't have told you. And everything that he said, he's done so far, so why would he change now? So I'm going to choose to believe in him. You see, Jesus, now crowned with glory, humbled himself the way you and I must humble ourselves in this life. Because the Bible says that God humbles, humbles the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't want God humbling me. I know who I am. And I know I need Jesus on my best day. On my best day, I need Jesus. I could be laying in bed and hadn't done nothing yet and still need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I did something at some point that makes me need Jesus. I've been good today, right? No, you haven't. Not good enough. Have you been the image bearer of God? Have you just trusted in Jesus? Because that's really what it means to be human. You see, they gave him a crown of thorns that was fashioned for us. If anybody should have a crown of thorns, it should be us. But the king of glory took a crown of thorns for you and for me. Jesus exchanged that crown of thorns for a crown of glory. Jesus exchanged that crown of thorns where false worship was offered to him and meant to shame him. And he used what was meant to shame him to glorify God. Can I tell you about your story? What's meant to shame you can glorify God. What's meant to shame you can glorify God. See, they say, weren't you that? Yes, I was. I did wear a crown of thorns, but now I wear a crown of glory because of Jesus. Weren't you that guy who did this? Absolutely. But let me tell you about a, a guy who did something greater than what I did. See, that's where our hope is. Not in hiding, but instead in saying, let me tell you, if Jesus can save a guy like me, he can save somebody like you. This is how we truly become human. When we recognize who is God. And we recognize that we're not God. And we're never going to be God. Isn't that good to know? I don't know about you guys, but I'm being really honest. 
I'm glad I'm not God. Woo, I'm glad I'm not God. You know what I'm saying? I am really honestly glad. Reminds me of that Almighty, remember Bruce Almighty? Everybody won the lottery, they all got their dollar back. They were not happy. I can't imagine being God because you can't, you can't make people happy no matter what. God didn't do something, right? God, why are you letting evil? He opens the earth, swallows people up. Look how mad God is. That's what they do. Think about it. They say, God won't do a thing about evil. Nothing. He opened up the earth and swallowed up 19,000 people. Look how bad God is. And they use it as a testimony of how bad he is. Not mentioning that for years and years he called them to repent and they didn't make a choice to repent. Boy, I don't want to be God. Every bad thing that happens, God gets blamed for it. Every good thing we take credit for. I don't want to be God. I ain't got that kind of patience. I'd be like, I'd be zapping people all day long. You know what I'm saying? Boom! You know? I'm glad I'm not God, you know? But it's true, Blanche. Blanche said, stop it. But she knows. You know? Everybody. I'm glad he's not like that, though. Because Lord knows I get zapped. I get zapped right now. I'm glad he's not like that. You know what he is, though? He just pours his love out on you. And even when you're worshiping things you shouldn't worship, he still pours his love out on you. And even when you're not trying to listen, he sends a message. He sends a love note through a sunset. He sends a message through somebody, through a song or a word, which all was created by him. Music is created by him. Everything. And he sends it to you to say, hey, I love you. I love you. Oh, I'm going to try and make you hate me, God. You can't. I love you. I'm going to do everything I can to curse you. doesn't matter. I love you. I'm going to put a crown of thorns on your head, and I'm going to fake worship you and beat you, but I'm still going to love you. And I'm going to love you until you take your last breath. And then after that, I will mourn the fact that we won't be together because you made a choice. I love you so much, I'm going to let you choose someone other than me. That's what it means to be human. We need Jesus. Every day. All day. And twice on Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your son. I just, I don't know, God. I don't know what I'd do without you. I can't imagine a world without you, Jesus. I can't imagine life without you, Jesus. I can't, I cannot honestly imagine facing what we face without you, God. There was a time in my life when I was far from you, God, and every day was hopeless. Every day was a good day to die. Not knowing what was next. But now, now, God, I want to live. And I don't just want to live here, but I want to live with you forever. And so, God, there's a time in my life when I worshiped other things, and there are still times, God, when they try and creep in. 
And God, I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected. Being as honest as I can with this group of people that you've blessed us with here today. On our best day, we don't deserve you, God. But you love us. And God, I just, I want you to know that what you did for us, we're grateful. We're thankful. We're humbled by that. We just ask, God. We ask for your mercy. God, pour out your love right now where we're all sitting. If there's somebody who thought that you didn't love them anymore, let them know you love them just as much as you've always loved them. If there's somebody who thinks you stepped away from them, let them know you never stepped away. They stepped away, but they can step right to you right now. If there's someone who hasn't felt your warm embrace and desires it, let them feel it now, God. I know that's what you do because you do it to me. Even on days I don't feel, even on days I don't see, I know you're there. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike, man, I need Jesus, man. I need him more than my next breath, more than my next heartbeat. I just want to give him my everything. And I know that I can't be perfect, but I'm being perfected. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up high in the air? Anybody in the house? Yes. It just says, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice. We're just going to pray this simple prayer. It comes right from John chapter 1, verse 12. We just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I receive you. And your word says that if I believe in you and if I receive you, that I have the right to be called a child of God and that I get adopted into your very own family. So right now I turn away from my sin. I turn my mirror toward you. And I want to reflect you in everything I say and do. And God, I know that on my best day, I can't be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And help me to have grace for me and grace for others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God? What a God. What a God. What a God. There's a song that says, Lord, oh Lord, there's nobody like you, Lord. And then in the middle of the song, it says, who wouldn't serve a God like this? Who wouldn't serve a God like this? And so I encourage you today. I want to let you know if you were a first-time guest, I know that Laurie and uh, Cliff are right there. They want to say hey to you, make a new friend. We got wonderful gifts for you there. want to remind you that uh, on the patio today, um, we do have our Relay for Life opportunity for luminaries. And it's really cool because you can also, you can make that donation on the app if you need to, but you can also drop your donation there. You can do it either way and they'll be out there. And you can actually decorate your luminary, 